All right, so welcome to the Rise Podcast. Quasi Millington here, uh, and I'm here. And I'm excited with uh, Fraser Bailey today. Fraser Bailey has an unusual story, having gone from being a butcher with multiple mental health challenges to a passionate vegan advocate, bodybuilder, and online strength and nutrition coach. In a struggle to overcome serious mental illness, including bipolar disorder, ADHD, and severe social anxiety, Fraser chose to walk away from the butchery industry for good. He never realized how health, fitness, and veganism would then come together to transform his life in amazing ways. Today, Fraser operates a an online vegan health and fitness brand called VegUp with his wife, Lauren, which helps other vegans, curious non-vegans and high-performing entrepreneurs get healthy, strong, and achieve a higher state of peak performance through a vegan diet and lifestyle. So first of all, welcome, Fraser. And before we get into this, a lot of times uh, people will ask me why I have certain guests on the show and people might be wondering, okay, why do I have a vegan bodybuilder on a resilience podcast? Well, you can, yeah. you can add to this as I talk through it, uh, but there's a couple of sure. reasons why I have you specifically on here. Um, you know, as well as I do that serotonin, the feel good hormones, all of it starts in your gut. And if you're not physically healthy, you can't be mentally healthy. And if you don't have that connection, then you can't bounce back. If you're sluggish, if you're slow, and so diet and everything, diet and nutrition have everything to do with holistic health. So all I yeah. want to do is present options for people to be healthy. I teach four pillars of resilience, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And I believe you, I you exemplify all of those. So I want you to have you on here. Uh, not to mention, as a vegan, I love seeing plant-based athletes break stereotypes and you know what i mean by that <laughs> yeah. and you know we're going to get into that um but we're going to talk about a few different things today so first of all just welcome and thanks yeah. for coming on uh despite the time mix up it's all good we're yeah. having, we're worlds apart right now yeah Chrissy. well i mean thank you brother i appreciate it and i love your four pillars i think they are a foundation of a good life and and like you were saying to, to your listeners, even if they aren't necessarily uh, open to the complete idea about a vegan diet, just contemplate what we're going to share with you here. Contemplate what we're going to, sh to say because at a certain point in time, I was a butcher. I was an avid meat eater and I had a ton of mental health problems. My life was vastly different than it is now. And the only difference was that I was curious enough to walk the path. So that's it. So all I'm saying with this conversation that I'm about to have with you is for all your listeners to just be curious. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Be curious. And I want to present options that are, that are out there for people. And um, I know from following you and kind of developing an online friendship, uh, yeah. I know that a lot of people tend to be afraid to even listen to a vegan because they think, okay, tree hugger they're going to try to convert me it's like a religion <laughs> and you're not like that at all you talk yeah. about holistic life health and you just say hey listen if you're curious about knowing a different way just hit me up and let me know what you think and yeah your laid back way of just approaching it is something i really enjoy and not to mention uh you're jacked and i love to see jack people and just exemplify <laughs> workouts that you do so yeah. i look at some of those as well um, talk to me about the mental and physical connection, uh, if you can. 
Yeah. So, so, so like you touched on at the start, there, I, I've come to realize how important your gut health is when it comes to your brain function and the way you think and the way you feel. Um, and it's funny because when I was younger and I suffered through bipolar disorder, severe social anxiety, ADHD, I mean, you name it, Chrissy, I had, I had everything. And I look back now and I think to myself, man, my diet was terrible, terrible. Like it was, it was standard American diet type stuff, but in New Zealand. So it was just, everything was processed. I don't remember ever really eating any whole foods. So foods that don't, aren't in a package and don't have an ingredients label. And my skin was really bad. I had bad acne. That's another thing, obviously, with um, what's happening in your digestion. Is a man, you know, what's happening on your skin is a manifestation of what can be happening within your body. And what I started to understand was that, and I even made a connection where on the days where I felt really bloated or I had digestive issues, my mood would be noticeably worse. And even to this point now, with our students, for example, I get them to track their digestion and their energy and mood. And you can see the two seem to come hand in hand. So as digestion goes down, mood and energy go down. As digestion improves, mood and energy increase. And obviously that's, that's an obvious one, right? So you think about it. If you're really bloated and you're running to the bathroom every five minutes, you're not going to feel very good yeah. mentally. But I do think it does have a role, like you were saying, on serotonin production and just other chemical responses within the body. So it really led me down this path of being very curious about what is our digestion? Like, it's not just breaking down food that we poop out the other end. There's more to it than that. And I noticed how much the types of foods we put in our body affect our digestion. So there are things that will help and heal and regenerate digestion and, and your cellular function. And there's equally things that I think will inflame it and aggravate it. And so part of this discussion could be diving into what that looks like. And that's kind of, I guess, what's led us down this path of vegan diets to some extent is recognizing those connections and then understanding, okay, if we want to think better and we want to have more mental clarity and we want to have a better mood, what is it going to take internally for that to happen chemically? And it comes back to that, that gut stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to talk a bit about your backstory a little bit because yeah, I don't know too many people who had quite those polar opposites to go from being a butcher to being vegan. And there's something that you yeah. said um, that I, I looked up. And by the way, follow him on Veg Up Life on Instagram. Um, and there's an interesting picture that you have on there of you kind of being bloated and showing a past version yeah. of you and now, and I was shocked when I saw it. Um, but you said that being a butcher was like jet fire on jet fuel on the fire of mental illness. Can you yeah. explain your background and yeah. how that applied to you? Yeah. So I growing up in New Zealand, I fell into the butchery industry as a student because, and it's funny because people say, well, why would you choose to work in a place like that? Most people fall into it by accident. They'll, they'll usually be working part-time after school or there'll be a job opening and they just need something. And for me, it was a part-time job after school. I really struggled at school. I wasn't getting good grades. I thought to myself, 
you know what? I might as well just go out and make some money. And I thought to myself, well, I already have a part-time job cleaning up the butchery at the end of the day after school. I might as well just propose to them, hey, can I work full-time? That was it. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think to myself, well, am I walking into a situation here that's going to breed further negative addiction and mental health challenges and all these things? It didn't cross my radar at the time. I was just thinking, right, I need to leave school. I need to make money. And I did that. And what I didn't realize at the time was that predominantly, I would say 99% of the people in the butchery were male. It's a weird reason. I guess maybe it's to do with strength, like moving heavy things around all day or just, I, I don't know. It was just, there seemed to be those types of, certain types of people fell into that industry and people with a lot of addiction people with a lot of anger management issues, um, people with clearly a lot of mental health issues as well. And I do feel like being in that environment, already having struggled with bipolar disorder, so, you know, all the things I mentioned, it definitely seemed to exacerbate those issues even more. It really led me to drink more, to eat more poorly, and then obviously that cycle just perpetuated. And I was in the butchery for about six years, so I saw all the things behind the scenes regarding the way that animal products were processed. Um, and there's a lot of just horror stories that I, I witnessed. And at the time, I was so desensitized to that, I didn't even think to myself, man, I should probably stop eating meat right now. It was only after the fact, once I got out of that environment, that I was able to look back and recognize, wow, like, I, was, I couldn't see the forest for the trees because I was, I was in it. And so there came a point in time where I, I was so depressed with that job. I would cry in the morning when I had to wake up to go to work. It was like one of those situations where I would wake up. It was 4 o'clock in the morning. I would cry because I thought to myself, uh, what's it going to be today? Because being in a butchery is like being in an alpha male, an alpha male wolf pack. It's very... There's a lot of competition. There's a hierarchy in there. You probably know coming from your background. I mean, it's very, it's very, um, there's a pecking order to things. And I was right at the bottom. So because of that, um, it made it like, it was Russian roulette. I never knew coming into each day, was it going to be a good day or a terrible day? And so that really increased my anxiety. So and you're talking about management from management levels? Like, is there like high management levels? Not even... Or, not even not even so much management, but within the butcher the butchers themselves. So you have management, you have um, sort of second tier management. They tend to be pretty like business like and official. But then below them, you have a, a group of butchers, and they create a pecking order within their circle. That's not actually. Um, there's no, there's no official like head butcher, but the guy who's the most dominant and the best at it will become the head butcher, and he's usually the most aggressive one as well. So it was kind of like this sort of wolf pack scenario. And I remember I got to the point where I honestly thought that if I don't change something now, like I'm not going to survive this. I got to that point where I thought to myself, I cannot literally see myself surviving this if – I'm here for another two, three, four years. So, and that really led. So yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you, I mean, you, you said that you'd cry when you get wake up to go to work. Uh, some might say, then why don't you just quit and get another job? Like, 
what was the problem? Yeah. How could you? Could you it, it's it's funny, man. Like you bring that up. I think a lot of it comes down to lack of confidence. So I left school because I I was failing a lot and I didn't feel like I was good at anything, and I often felt felt to myself, I won't be good at anything that I do, and. I felt like trying to break out of that rut. It's almost like being in an abusive relationship, like where you, you like people are like, well, why don't you leave? And the person's just kind of stuck in this cycle. And in many ways, that was me. So I was, it was almost like a state of apathy where like the idea of going to get right. Uh, yeah. And the idea of going out and trying to job hunt and find another job and, and clean myself up and all that, it was like mentally so overwhelming that that idea was almost as challenging as just bearing and, and like kind of like grinding through my current job. And so that brought me to that point. It did get to a tipping point though, after a number of years where I did recognize that I had to change something. And that's when I finally did quit. Um, and I tell you, man, walking away from that job changed my life. Um, I don't even know where I would be now if I was still doing that. I would definitely wouldn't have the life that I have now. Um, I wouldn't have the understanding about my own health, my own psychology, peak performance, all these things. Um, I was a completely different person. And you can probably understand this where I spoke differently. I presented myself differently. My mannerisms were different. I was literally a different person. Just for um, that job. Yeah. And, and, and also understanding that when I left that, it was like I recognized all of a sudden I'm like a blank, blank slate. That I'm just, I, I had this sort of blank canvas mentality where I felt like I could recreate myself. I created enough belief within myself after leaving that I could recreate. But, dude, working in the butchery was arguably some of the hardest years of my life. But I will say also that it did teach me a lot of good lessons as well. So, like, I really instilled into me discipline. It's a very hard industry to be in. And so getting up early every morning, um, showing up in this cold environment and doing this horrible job, it does make you very disciplined. I've even had people ask me before if I was in the military because the, the way that I wake up every morning, seven days a week early, and I just operate like that. And it really did cultivate a level of discipline. In so for that, I'm appreciative. And it also showed me all the things that I don't want to be and all the things that I don't want in my life. So in many ways, people could be resentful about some of their past experiences. My message sometimes is it's showing you and demonstrating to you everything that you don't want in your life. And it's shining light on all the traits that you don't want to harbor in your person anymore. Um, and so that was, that was a, a, key, a key few observations that I made. Um, that really helped me break through um, after the fact. And I think that's key for people to, to realize that sometimes your life is going to show you things that you see as negative, but it's really trying to bring you to be the person you're meant to be. And I, there's yeah. something else that you wrote that I really liked, and it said, once we learn the lesson, life stops giving us the class. And I really, <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that. And I've heard it mentioned different yeah. ways from different people before, um, but yeah. you walked out of the butchery and – Tell me how you go from because at then you're still eating meats, you're still yeah, uh, but you just get out of that profession. Yeah, 
what was next and how did you get to yeah so so the, i think that the beautiful thing and i think you know you hear a lot of stories about people who transform their life and one day they just had this epiphany and they just woke up and they walked away from all the bad things in their life and it was happily ever after that was not my story um i don't think that's most people's stories i think it's often a series of undulations and ups and downs and trials and tribulations and overcoming things and you know relapsing back into old patterns and and and, and this constant push and pull like a yin and yang where I got out of the butchery and then I wanted to go back to university to study because I felt like I was inherently smart, but I felt like I'd wasted it early on because I, I wasn't as, uh, as tenacious as I, I should be. And I felt like I had a little bit more to prove, you know, being at the age of about 20 to 21 now, I felt like okay, I have a little bit more to prove now. The downside was that, when I went back to university, I started to get back into almost like a party mode where I wasn't focused as much on classes as I was like the, the, the university campus bar and stuff. And so I started going down and, and at the time it was fun, but I didn't recognize that it was taking me down and just another corridor of the same of the same house yeah. and also one of the other things one of the more impactful things that i recognized was that i the, the degrees that i chose i chose them not for me but for like social approval and approval from my family so i did a law and psychology degree or i started one and i thought that sounds really cool you know like the combination of psychology and law i can be like some csi type person <laughs> or something you know whatever yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, my dad will be really proud of me if I do something like this. And I recognize now that my heart wasn't really in it at the time. And I was doing it more for the accolades. I was doing it more for like, I, I can tell people what, that I'm doing this and or I can, t and, and my dad will be more proud of me. And that's fundamentally why I failed at that because my why wasn't deep enough. It was superficial. It wasn't even my own. It was other people's why. Um, and I flip-flopped. And I remember I was still dealing with my anxiety because what had happened was I was still using the alcohol, even at the um, college campus, to kind of help calm my anxiety down. And I recognized that that was more and more of an issue. And with the help of a therapist, by the way, I, I had a therapist through this process who guided me and kind of gave me insight and introspection into myself. I started to recognize, okay, the alcohol is a real problem because it's leading me to be more complacent. It's leading me to like skip on things that normally I shouldn't and wouldn't because I was more disciplined to some degree. And when I removed that from my life, my anxiety went through the roof. It was like it was like years and years of bottled up anxiety that I'd been medicating, and it all just like came to the surface like a flood. When you stopped drinking, and yeah, and and it, all of a sudden I had to face all of these anxieties about myself and about what people think about me and all these different things. I had to face them sober, and I remember being on the bus one day to head in from the house I my house all the way into the city campus. And it's about a 60 minute drive. 
And the bus that day was just really busy. I mean, it was just packed. And I thought to myself, and I, you know, I was really hot. It was like there was no AC on that day, and I was hot, and I was feeling really uncomfortable. And obviously, if you've been anxious, you start to sweat, and then you feel more hot, yeah. and you're like, got like beads of sweat running down your head, and then you start going red, and you're like, oh my God, look at me, like I'm a hot mess. <laughs> and you start worrying about what other people are thinking about you. And no one's thinking about you, but you, you're thinking, oh, what's everyone worrying about? Yeah. Or what am I worrying about? And I almost, I gave myself a panic attack. And it was the first like real panic attack that I'd had where I felt like I was going to vomit and I started feeling lightheaded and I got off the bus and I thought to myself, oh, Fraser, you're just feeling a little bit sick. Just go home and just rest. And, but deep down in my, in my heart, I knew that I was really giving myself permission to quit. I, I was giving my, at the time I knew it. I was like, you know what? You're, you're done. And I almost just, there was a part of me that, enable that and i walked away from being almost two years into a degree with a partial student loan um with nothing to show for it with nothing to show for it man did that and, feel um, good like because you said it's not something you really wanted to do so how did that feel yeah though you were anxious to to walk away at the at the time it felt terrible because i felt ashamed that i had a yet again, just kind of failed that I had like, you know, like I quit school early. I didn't have anything to really show for that. Um, I, I quit my job in the butchery and I felt like I didn't have a lot to show for that. Cause I didn't really have any other skills beyond that. I quit this. And again, I didn't have anything to show for that. And so I was thinking to myself, man, like what's it going to take for me to actually get my life together finally and change. And, that point was really like the slow trend upwards in my life where I finally started to course correct, where I finally started to get more help from my therapist. I finally started to, this is when I first started going to the gym to work out. Um, this is when I first really started paying attention to how I was eating. And that grew me down the health and fitness path to the point where I was like, you know what, I, I, this is something I feel like I'm actually good at and I actually like it. Mm. You know, it's not something I'm looking for approval from anyone else. I actually enjoy this. Okay. And that led me to go back again to study again at a different college about one year later and do uh, nutrition and human physiology and structure and function. And I actually passed for the first time in my life. I passed something. And how old were and you? I was 20, dude, I was 23. Yeah, 23. So I was 23 years old. And having the support of my psychologist, slowly cleaning my diet up, and we can talk about the diet and stuff more, and then go, going to the gym. And then what I found also was that by going to the gym, I started associating with more healthy people. And because of that, healthy people tend to have commonalities or habits that transcend so they don't typically stay out late at night and drinking and partying they usually get up a little bit earlier they eat healthier that they're they're active they get outside every day they work out they they have those habits that seem to transcend their lifestyle and i felt like i fell into that by accident where my friends became people in the gym 
And I would enjoy getting up early to go train with them rather than staying out late at night. So because I didn't go out late at night, I wasn't in a drinking environment. So I stopped drinking completely. And then I wasn't out late. So I was waking up feeling really refreshed. And then I would get tips and knowledge off some of these older guys that were training in the gym. This is almost before the days of YouTube. Like YouTube was right in its infancy. So there wasn't like vlogs on how to eat a vegan diet. There wasn't even really like a lot of vlogging or anything back then. It was just, it was very minimalistic. And so I had to learn about nutrition with fitness and stuff, whether it was through the, the, the degree that I did, but mainly in the gym with real people. And so learning from them, I started to pick up ideas and adopt things from them. And it, it was almost like as a byproduct of being in that environment with those people, I kind of grew via osmosis. You know, it's almost like when you change, it's kind of like if you're a fruit tree and you're in a bad environment, you can water that fruit tree all day. Like you can pour, you know, water meaning like, you know, healthy food or whatever. But if you're in a bad environment with toxic people and just a, and it's not a good environment, you're not going to grow the fruit like you could if you transplanted yourself and put yourself in a, in a nutritious environment. And I found that that happened by accident for me. I'm just lucky that I just happened to kind of fall into that after a suggestion from my psychologist that, hey, have you, have you thought about working out before? And I thought it was funny at the time because this is way back before we, like, there was a lot of stuff online about the health benefits of working out and blah, blah, blah. I, I said to him, I'm like, dude, I'm already exhausted. Why would I want to go work out? I'm tired all the time. And he's like, he's like, but that's the whole point. You're tired because you don't, you, you're not training yourself. And that led me down that path of contemplating, hey, let's, let me, let me, let me explore this and see how this feels. And, um, it was, it was just a snowball effect from there, really. It was, and it's not, and I will tell you that, like from the age of 23 to now 36, 13 years on, it's an ongoing evolution. It doesn't, it's not like you fi finally arrived at the finish line and I'm like, okay, cool, I'm done now. I can just stretch out my arms and just go kick back on the couch. Like uh, as, as life changes, as fatherhood came into my world, um, as entrepreneurship changes, um, as life changes, you're constantly having to learn new skills and adapt. And so for me, it's, I recognize now that I'll never get to the destination that I thought I had to get to, that it's always this ongoing process. Um, Let me ask you about this before you go on. You mentioned yeah. that you took law and psychology to make your dad proud. Um, when you took nutrition, were you concerned with what your parents thought or was that just a yeah. soul-based decision? That was a soul-based decision, that one. So that one, it was far less about what anyone else thinks and completely more about how I feel and think. And I think that's what really fueled my desire to learn because all of a sudden I found something that I truly love, you know? And I think that's an important thing. I mean, I speak to, I speak to youth a lot, especially high school uh, kids and I've run into kids that are like, my parents want me to do this, or I'm being told to do this. And I love yeah. your story because it shows you got to follow your heart and what your inside tells you what yeah. you love, or else you're going to be miserable, even if you're yeah. even half good at what you choose. If it's someone else's dream, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. So I love that you follow and, and, yours. Yeah, and especially doing it for social accolades as well. So outside of what your parents think, 
we often have this sort of belief about what society thinks. You know, what is, what is deemed prestigious within society? And that is a, that's equally as big a trap because I've worked with various doctors and, and experts in, in many fields. And I can tell you that they don't feel more fulfilled in doing what they do until they have all their pillars together, like you talk about. Um, and so it doesn't, for me, it was such a, 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 it was like a stark reminder that to trust my intuition about things but, and always to remain curious. Like even when I was, even when I got out of the butchery, I cleaned my diet up, but it was still not a, a vegan diet straight away. You know, I had to walk that progression. So it, for me, it didn't happen overnight. And so about eight years ago now, for me, that's when we made the transition to that. Before that, I was eating more of what you would call like a whole food paleo style diet. And like even then, and broccoli and nuts and seeds. And things yeah, like yeah. And, and, and even, even then, um, I was getting my blood work done and it wasn't that good. And I was like, why? Why is it not that good when I'm eating all these whole foods? But I was eating, I was, I was taking it to an excessive level. So I was eating a, a ton of eggs each day. I was eating tons of animal products, um, far more than like the average person would be to just start with. And my wife, Lauren, has a more natural inclination to want to move, wanted to move towards veganism anyway. And so she started that process. And I thought to myself, you know what? Like, and this, is, this was my thinking. I thought to myself, I've come, overcome these mental health challenges that I've had. I've overcome these challenges being in these industries that I thought would be the rest of my life. And I would never be able to get out of that hole. What if this is just another one of those challenges that I need to overcome? What is it? What if this is another set of stories or preconceived notions about something that's actually holding me back from to get, getting to another level? And I adopted that mindset when I went into this transition. And again, yet again, reminded myself what anyone, what I was capable of when I just approached things with an open mind. And it's been one of the most transformative experiences in my life in terms of my health, um, in terms of my blood work, in terms of just like my, like meaning and connecting with people and having a high level of purpose and enjoying what I'm doing and sharing something that I'm passionate about. Dude, I mean, it fires you up, you know, like, I mean, it, it gives you that fire in your life where you get off like a conversation like this and you feel like you're charged up, you know, like people often think, people often think to themselves, man, I'm so tired all the time. I need to eat more food or something. And I'm like, no, you need to have more conversations like this yeah. where you're, you're, you're connecting with people that are like really vibing and you leave. Have you ever thought, think about this. You have these conversations with people where you really connect with them and you're not gossiping and complaining, but you're like talking about ideas and dreams and you, and you leave and you're like, I feel like I could go run a marathon right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's such a good reminder that often we have that innate energy within us. It's not that we need more calories or more food, or sometimes it's not even that we need more rest. Sometimes we just need more connection mm -hmm. and more meaning, and that fuels us, you know. So that was a huge thing. And I also wanted to mention that part of my process 
after having left the butchery, going through this process with my psychologist was getting off all my medications as well. I was on a, a, an array of medications and I got off everything. I have not been on anything at all for the last 10 years. And so I share that with people because I want to instill hope in them that no matter where you're at and no matter what dependencies you have or what your doctor might have told you, there's always a path that you can take with the, with the right guidance and support um, that might completely change your life. And it's not to say that people have to walk our path like into veganism, but it's to say to be curious. Be curious about what are you capable of with anything and everything. And so for me, it was like a purging of all the old things that used to make me, me. So I used to uh, really identify with my labels. I used to really feel like I was limited. I was handicapped. Dude, I felt like I was handicapped with these things. I would look at other people and I'd be like, man, that person's just smarter than I am. I'll never be able to like live up. I will never be able to beat them. And first of all, it wasn't even about beating them. And the second thing was that when I really started to understand this concept around being growth minded, I was like, wow, I can literally reprogram and change pretty much anything that I think is a fixed trait about myself. Hmm. And that changed everything, man. What I, what I love is that we're talking, we're having flavorful conversation and we're barely talking about, you know, vegan food and dieting. We're talking about holistic yeah. living and yeah. I will meet a lot of vegans that know a lot about the food side of it. Um, but you're teaching about the whole life, life, lifestyle, like up leveling your life. Yeah. Um, how do you go from just, okay, I'm going to try this vegan diet and, and getting into that to, okay, I'm learning about mindset and I'm teaching people all of this now. Yeah. How do you walk Dude, that, that's a That is an amazing question um, because what it, what it was for me was recognizing that just giving someone a piece of nutritional advice wasn't enough. Very, because what, what I started to notice was that I would give people – nutritional advice or just purely technical things like here's something to do with your workout here's something to do with your with your diet go away do that stuff and what i noticed was that these people were not able to be consistent long term so they just they struggled man they they would relapse they would do things for a little bit and they would go backwards and i felt to myself i'm like you know i have a moral responsibility to these people to help them if they wanted to break out of that relapse cycle. And I thought to myself, what was the key thing that helped break me out of that cycle? And it was my psychology. It was the way that I think about my challenges and reframe them. It was the way that I think about the world. It was the way I choose to interact with people. And it was all these practices we talk about, because it's kind of like, if you're working out and you're eating really well, you might have a nice looking ship, but the captain of the ship is drunk. Oh, if your mindset, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so like you can, you can, you're going to sail straight onto the rocks. Yeah. 
So you have this beautiful, shiny-looking ship, but the captain's blind and drunk because he hasn't worked on his resiliency and his mindset and how he rises above those challenges that will, will come his way. And to be able to course correct and navigate around the rocks and learn how to interpret the wind and, and, and the waves. And, dude, that takes, that takes time. Like, you have to be willing to walk through uh, the, the, the storm, so to speak, to get out the other end of that. But that's what kind of led me into this realm of mindset and psychology and, and habits and performance because I thought to myself, one, how do I stop people going backwards on the results that they've got? And the other thing was that I felt like, especially becoming a father and becoming an entrepreneur, probably two of the hardest things I've ever done in my life combined. And I felt like I have to find ways to maximize how I function. It's like I was still eating pretty well and I was training, but I was, I was still kind of tired at times. And I thought to myself, okay, dude, you've got to stop training six days a week for two hours. You're killing yourself in the gym. You're polarizing yourself into dust. You're leaving the gym and you have no energy left whatsoever. So now training four days a week for about 60 minutes, I've had to learn how to become efficient. So everything for me now was like stripping away all the fluff, all the excess trimmings that don't contribute to the, the majority of your result. And I recognized that that was a mindset shift too. That was like a mindset adoption I had to have. So that's really what led me down this path of like the mindset, the habit formation, the lifestyle part, because I recognize that if you get someone dialed in with those things alongside the nutrition and training, it is like a transformation 10x. I mean, it's insane. And so that to me was appealing. And I feel like there's a lot of well-intended people within the fitness space. And there's a lot of, un, you know, not well-intended people, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. But the, the well-intended people, I think, miss some of these factors and because of that they end up sometimes doing more harm to people than good you know they they'll get people on this sort of binge purge cycle where they're doing a challenge and then when they're off the challenge they completely just like let go and everything falls apart and i'm like as a as an industry we have to start evolving the way that we teach people and even start connecting with therapists and psychologists and outsourcing aspects of a transformation to other people. So it's like a team effort to get this person the transformation that they're looking for. I love that what you said about outsourcing uh, the transformation. Yeah. It's kind of like when you walk into a good fitness center, you don't just necessarily see personal trainers. You might see a personal trainer. You might see a nutritionist. You might see a massage therapist, a chiropractor, because we all have different things that we're, that we're good at. Um, yeah. What are, the, what are some of the main things that you see are, and you don't have to mention any names, but what's wrong with yeah. the health industry and how do, yeah. we fix it? how do we fix it so that we can give people better help? Yeah, so I think there's, there's two things. There's one, how do you improve the health industry? And then how do you further improve the vegan dietary space? So the first one, I think for the most part, is to really like like I like I was mentioning to try and approach transformation from a perspective of like a whole body transformation recognizing that someone's 
someone's mindset and their environment and their family life and their job all play a role in their transformation. And can you outsource certain things to other people? Can you work and affiliate and connect with other experts in different areas that can complement what you're doing? to give this person a better transformation or can you put them onto resources and different people to follow on YouTube that might plant seeds in their head to get them thinking about things differently because the fitness industry can be quite superficial and it's just it's very I think a lot of people who are beginners or intermediate come into this and I think wow when I get that body and I and uh, and I get that six pack and I'm looking like that on the old IG I'm going to get so much so many accolades and I'm going to feel so good about myself because I'm going to be getting 100,000 subscribers and 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 I'm going to be just like working on the road traveling like this nomad and my life's going to be amazing. And it is not the case. Until people find value in the process and get comfortable with themselves where they're at, you're not going to get that body and feel any different. And I know this firsthand because I've done periods where I would diet down for photo shoots or really because I just wanted to push really hard to see where where my limit was. And I didn't feel any different when I got there. Any different. In fact, I would argue in many cases I felt worse because I started to neglect other areas of my life and then that took a toll on my psychology. And so I had a physical result without the mental stability. And that's not a good thing and that's what i guess a lot of the mainstream fitness industry inadvertently shares and i don't think a lot of the time it's malicious i just think it's from a from a uh, a naivete um when it comes to vegan fitness i think the biggest thing that i'm moving towards is not promoting vegan fitness from this just perspective of just bodybuilding where all you eat is beyond burgers and impossible meat and broccoli you know like just tofu and broccoli i mean there's look there's nothing wrong with that like i'm not going to say to someone hey like that's wrong like you should be doing it like the way i do it what i'm saying is that we need to be coming from a place of looking at food as an array of nutrients that all offer different benefits that's not just related to muscle building that's related to improving digestion like you said and that's related to recovery and that's related to optimizing hormone profiles and helping um improve sleep quality and all these different things and so i try to promote what i do from a perspective of it's going to allow you to enter peak performance and when you get to that place not only do you have the physical result that you want but you feel good too like your energy is better you have a better temperament you have more mental clarity and you have a physical result yeah but it it's a bit more of a process to do that like it's there's more involved like you have to be willing to walk that that path and experiment and and trial and error because i think that basically what i'm saying is that a lot of the conventional vegan fitness industry promote this high protein plant based meat alternative bodybuilding diet that's basically will looks just like an animal based bodybuilding diet and i'm like that's good but i think well, i think there's a better way and i and i don't even so i'll eat an array of proteins whether it's tofu tempeh lentils chickpeas quinoa 
um, butter beans, black beans, like rotate through your proteins, whole food proteins, as much as you can, different legumes. And I rotate through those. And then I rotate through my starches. So different types of rice. So black rice, basmati rice, jasmine rice, couscous, quinoa, different types of root vegetables. So I'm not just eating sweet potato all the time. I'm not just eating tofu all the time. I'm looking for nutrient diversity. And I think that feeds back into the gut. There's a doctor, um, Dr. Will Bershowitz. He's the gut health MD on Instagram. And he's even put out research showing that when they looked at gut flora, people who consumed on average 40 unique plants per week had better, healthier gut biomes. And this translates over to better health in general, better biomarkers in general. And so you think about it. So in your salad, you might have mixed greens, you have spinach, you have carrots, you might have a red pepper in there. You have uh, some zucchini in it. That's already five things. Yeah. You just need to add in a few, you know, so it, it adds up very quickly. People think to themselves, oh, man, I have to add 40 things in. That's a lot of stuff. Well, it adds up quickly if you're just eating a plant-based diet. But coming back to my point, I think that nutrient diversity and eating from a more holistic perspective is what the vegan fitness industry needs and what the, what the fitness industry especially needs yeah. because – I see way too many processed chemical S-storm supplements out there that are just full of caffeine, full of refined processed artificial sweeteners, terrible for you. Um, just a lot of things that are zero calorie or diet foods that are not good for you long term. And I think if we can overhaul that mentality, which I don't think it will happen overnight, but I, th I do think as we learn to understand more about digestion and the gut and how that relates to our mental health and our psychology and autoimmune diseases and all these different things, because all of these things relate. Autoimmune diseases, different types of digestive dysfunctions, mental health dysfunctions, I think many of them are driven by our diet and it's impacting our gut. And that then proliferates through our system. Our, our gut is like that that defense mechanism from the outside world. And when that permeates, that defense comes down and anything can enter, pathogens, you name it. And so I do think fitness industry, it's why we teach how we do. It's why I, I, I focus on the mindset because I found that for me, I got a physical result early on, but I wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled with it. And I recognize that it's because I hadn't worked on my mindset as much as I should have along the way. Yeah. And I think that the, the, um, what you keep, what you mentioned about variety is very important as well. Uh, and I'm going to point yeah. everybody to your podcast, the veg podcast and your, Thank I think you. it's season two, episode 37, I think is the one that I listened yeah. to. And you talk about what you mentioned and call macro bowls, like putting together, you know, a starch and, um, the starchy carbs and then fibrous carbs yeah. and your protein source. And whether you eat meat or you're a vegan, your mentality of the variety of nutrients is so applicable. And so I suggest anyone, no matter what your yeah. eating habit, habits are, to go and uh, listen to that. Because a lot of people think that whether you're doing a bodybuild, whether you're eating a bodybuilding building mentality, on meat or vegan that you're going to be eating more in a boring way 
and you don't have yeah. to. And so just talk to me about how you don't have to eat in a boring way. <laughs> no yeah. matter what you're eating. Um, if you mix your nutrients, yeah. you have so many different combinations. Yeah, and that's the thing, like you were mentioning on the VegArt podcast that I talked about, where if you think of your plant-based protein sources in the sense of, let's just list them out quickly. So you have tempeh, tofu, hempeh, like John mentioned in the chat. Um, you have lentils. You have different types of beans. You might do a lentil pasta. You have chickpeas. That's seven different options right there. So that could be one every night. Or like you could literally do a different protein every day for the entire week. Then you have your starchy carbohydrates, which are usually like your rice or your potatoes. So you have red potatoes, gold potatoes, Japanese potatoes. You have sweet potatoes. You have uh, butternut squash, pumpkin. You have different types of grains. So you have your quinoa, your couscous. You have farro. You have buckwheat. You have jasmine rice, you have basmati rice, you have black rice. That's like eight right there. So even if you had seven, that's a different starch that you could do every day if you wanted to, if you wanted to. And then your fibrous carbohydrates. So you have your salad greens, your broccoli, your different colors. I'm a big proponent on colors. So to keep it simple, eat the rainbow. Where's your green? Where's your red? Where's your orange? Where's your yellow? If you fulfill those uh, targets, each color is representative of a different micronutrient property. You're getting more vitamins and minerals in your diet, basically. And then off the top of that, the fibrous vegetables, you can add in sprouts. Sprouts are higher in antioxidants. There's more nutrient density in sprouts, gram for gram, than their cooked food counterparts. So sprouted lentils have twice the antioxidant value of cooked lentils gram for gram. So I'm all about how can you maximize nutrient density in the same amount of calories? What does that mean for the average person? It means that your energy levels will improve, your hunger and cravings will decrease, your gut health will improve, your body composition will improve because your hormone profiles are improving, all of these things. And so beyond that, you might throw a fermented food on there as well to help nurture the probiotics in your digestive system. So whether it's kimchi, miso, or sauerkraut, one of those things, you can put all of that together in a bowl. And then what, what we do and what I love to do is I'll use coconut aminos to kind of give the meal some moisture so it's not too dry. And then I use different flavors of hummus. So you have smoked paprika hummus or you have garlic hummus or you have you know insert any type of hummus you can think of in the u.s there's a sauce called bitchin sauce and it's an almond based sauce and it's it's amazing i mean it's really really tasty and so you can put that in and that would be your your condiment or your fat your whole food fat because it's an almond based sauce or you've got your um, hummus which is tahini based you could use guacamole if you wanted to and then you mix all that up do you have, you think about how many different meal combinations you could create if you interchange your proteins with your starches, with your fibrous vegetables and your flavors. Right there, you have endless rotation of different meals. And I've found that even within that, you can do salad greens as your fibrous vegetables, or you could even do stir fry, or you could do like oven roasted. So you don't just have to be eating salads all the time. You could do oven roasted, you could do Instapot, you could do um, stir fry. So right there, you have different modes to cook the food too. And so 
I find that when you cross-reference the different types of foods with the different modalities to cook them, man, you have a myriad of different food options. And so I think what that does is it creates variety, but within a structured system. Because one of the things that I found is hard for a lot of people is that if they're eating really haphazardly in one night, it's kind of like a vegan macaroni and cheese, and the next night it's vegan burgers, and then the next night it's you know, something completely different – it's very hard to track that. It's hard to track the calories in it. Like, are you eating too much? Are you not eating enough? Are you missing things? Do you, are you getting everything you need? You can do it. It's just a lot more tedious. You have to be a lot more diligent, whereas this process is a lot more intuitive. And I haven't tracked anything for years now. Right, every exactly. now and then I'll do a little... Yeah, not to track. Every now and then... I'll, yeah, every now and then I'll do a little track just to kind of see, okay, like where am I at with my calories and my micronutrients? But it's more out of sheer curiosity than it is, oh, I've got to make sure like I'm not I'm getting enough protein. So it's definitely from that perspective of curiosity. But that intuitive eating aspect of things, I think, is what the fitness industry needs to get towards more. I think there's way too much of a heavy focus on being obsessed with macros and tracking on my fitness pal or chronometer. Nothing wrong with that for someone who finds that it helps them. But if you find that it's like shackling you into this dietary mindset where you can't eat something that's even healthy for you because it's outside of your macros, that's when you run into problems, right? So like uh, just to segue quickly, uh, an IFBB pro, her name was Danny Reardon. She was one of the top five Miss Olympias, and I helped her veganize her diet for Miss Olympia. I got her eating fruit, and she actually broke down crying, saying that she'd spent a decade avoiding certain fruits because of the sugar, and that she felt... and. and it wasn't so much she was crying because like, oh, I haven't been able to eat strawberries my whole life. It was more like recognizing that there were so many things in her life that she hadn't done for fear of like stepping outside the fitness sickness that people find themselves in. Yeah. yeah, that people find themselves in and not living. And I'm like, you can eat fruit every day. You can eat a diversity of these things every day. You do not have to, like, remove these things completely from your routine. Yeah, obviously be diligent with your portion sizes of things, and that comes with practice. But you, you can have blueberries every day if you want. You can have mango every day if you want. You can have rice every day if you want. Again, being diligent, but you don't have to remove those things. And so that's the, I think that's a healing process with a lot of people that has to take place. Yeah. Um, and it's a huge part for, especially a lot of women. I feel that's a huge part of the healing process they need to go through with food. And I, and I want to mention that when we talk about food and all the micronutrients and all the colors, we're not just talking about eating well just to eat well and to have a colorful plate. All these micronutrients go into your gut and it affects your mental health. So when we talk about getting up in the morning we talk about going after our goals and trying to live a good life and have good relationships with people all these things that feed into resilience we're talking about diet and micronutrients because that feeds your psychology as you were saying it's all related so people just think oh, okay i'm gonna add some vegetables just to add some vegetables no you're adding a lot of different things that are helping you to be a better person holistically 
And that's what I yeah. think about the way you're describing this. Yeah. And, and you know, that, I think understanding that downstream effect of your choices is really powerful. And what I mean by that is if you notice how you feel after you eat processed sugary things, typically what happens, people feel more lethargic. They need more caffeine. Their mood tends to depress. That's not just because you're having a bad day. That's literally a chemical reaction in your body that's taking place that's de-optimizing how you're feeling and for me i recognize that 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 feeling of feeling good that's like currency to me like that's 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 currency and as as a father and as you know as a father and an entrepreneur that feeling good and being resilient and being able to like look at a situation and, and pivot and solve problems and be proactive, that is super valuable. And because it helps you overcome challenges in your life. Like there's no point being jacked and in shape if your life is a complete mess and you have all these challenges coming your way and you're not able to navigate them. And that's and people might think, well, how is eating broccoli or how is eating any of this stuff going to help me overcome challenges in my life? It just clears your mind up. It removes, it removes the fog, like that fog of war. If you have that fog, you're going to see situations and you're going to jump to conclusions. You're not going to be able to think through problems quickly. You're going to get depressed easier. You will give up easier if you have that fog of war in your head. And so my whole thing is how can I create crystal clear cognitive clarity? And it really does come back to the fuel that you put in your system. It comes back to that. It comes back to, to training, but not just training, but moving every day. I'm such a huge proponent of making sure that you're getting enough steps in and you're moving. There's a lot of bodybuilders out there who go train at the gym for two hours, but then they sit on the couch and they don't move at all. And so they're not pumping their lymphatic system. They're not moving their circulatory system and just moving their body in general and sun exposure, fresh air, all of these things that kind of come together to create an entire system. And especially now, it's more of a part of my routine now since our daughter Zia was born because I recognize the value of it for me. And I know that if I can give that to her at such a young age, it's going to set her up really well. Um, so when you're thinking about your transformation, think beyond just food. You know, Think about um, lifestyle, environment, sun exposure, fresh air. I, I call it like sharpening the saw, you know, where – if you're just doing the same thing, like if you're just in the in the, the zone with the gym and you're just eating the same thing all the time, you're just kind of like going through the motions of life and you're on the hamster wheel. If you never take time out to sharpen the store and go do something different or go to tick something off your bucket list or connect with people and have good conversation, you get really blunt really quick. And I mean, you probably know this, man. Like, as a, as a father, like, I find enjoyment in interacting with people and, and talking with people like yourself. Um, it, it's a big part of why we traveled in the RV when we're back in the US. So we travel around in an RV and the different mountains and places because I felt like that sharpens my thought. Like, going to these different environments, being out in the mountains with these the rivers and stuff, it's beautiful. And it I helps love. me. I love that you look like you live in a gym, but I can't recall the last time I saw you in a gym. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, you've been on the road, you're traveling, you make your gym wherever you are. 
and you build yeah. it into your lifestyle as opposed to making the gym your lifestyle. Which Dude, there was there was times I, I laugh now. There's times where we'd be in the mountains and we'd be staying at a campground that was remote and rugged, and there was it had been raining and there was mud, and I was training with my barbell or doing pull-ups on the tree and training with my barbell in the rain and in the mud, in the gravel and mud. And I, and and I, and it wasn't, I didn't take videos and post it to Instagram. I didn't even document it a lot of time. A lot of the time it was just between me and me. And I was just out there in nature, just getting it done. And like most people would look at that and be like, that dude's absolutely crazy. And I'm like, that process makes me feel alive. It, it reminds me of doing those things every day that bring me closer to that mental clarity. You know, it's like you don't just – people would say, well, ah, you know, you, you can afford to take a break. Like, you know, you're already in shape. Why are you working out so hard or whatever? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to stop brushing my teeth just because my teeth are clean. I'm going to keep doing it because that's how it got to that point. And so it's literally just building rapport with yourself and building an appreciation for the person that you could become. I think there's a big part of it for me is like recognizing it and seeing it almost like as an, an investment into my future self. Like I'm doing these difficult things now because I want to invest into that person that I know I will become as a byproduct of these more challenging habits now. And that comes down to a vegan diet and choosing to eat a vegan diet when it's not always the easiest part. But arguably, the, the myriad of health benefits, to me, are immense. And so, you know, back in Louisiana, where my wife Lauren is from, there's a huge food culture there. There's a huge southern food culture, like big, in, big into seafood. And that culture keeps people kept, captive a lot of the time because they're used to interacting with people over food. And they're used to interacting and they're, and they're worried about what, the, what are their buddies going to think. I flip that on its head and I'm like, why don't you go hiking and interact with people that way? Or why don't you do something that's non-food related and interact with people that way? Or also another thing that I'll often tell my students is have a confidence that when you see everyone doing a certain thing and you feel like most of them have what you would consider average results, you need to be the one who paddles upstream to get that different result. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting that normal result if you want that. But if you want more out of your life and you're not happy with where you're at, be that person who walks the path less traveled and don't be embarrassed about it. Rather, see it as a good conversation starter. You know, like with me, some people have been like, oh, dude, like if I go out and I'm eating out, you know, I'm embarrassed. To, to order something vegan or I'm embarrassed if I have to ask the chef if I have to do too many things. It's like I don't want to go out of my way and be a pain in the butt to people. And I'm like, dude, don't approach it with that mentality. Approach it from a perspective of if you're polite and you ask nicely and you make a, a fun conversation about it, you might get a really good response. And then it starts interesting conversations with other people in, at your table. Like we went to a number of years back some friends came in that were family and they all went to the seafood restaurant in New Orleans. Obviously, we don't really, we, they'd already picked that place. We went there, we spoke to the waiter and I was like, hey, like, 
you don't really have any vegan options. Is there any way that I can talk to the chef? And um, they were like, yeah, sure. And he comes out and I'm like, hey, man, like, look, the stuff on the menu looks amazing. But like, is there anything like you can do like creative that you can like just throw together? And I tell you what, like his face lit up and he actually had fun doing it because he's like, I, I get bored of making the same thing every time. And that meal was probably the most beautiful meal we've had out in a long time. And everyone at the chef, you know, people just go and they order if they're vegans they're just like, yeah. you just give me rice or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and, and obviously, obviously, you know, if you're at a restaurant, you can maybe try and do that. If you're just at a chain, you might not be that lucky, but it's the way that you present it. And that comes back to that mindset stuff that if you don't have a mindset of how can I connect with people where they're at and communicate with them on a level where they're at and make them not feel judged or get their guard up, then if you can do that, you have more positive um, rapport with them and you have better outcomes in your life. And that comes, man, just from like working on your mindset and reframing a challenge that you might be in. So, okay, like if there's no option, what do I do? How do I navigate this? And so... For me, it's such a huge part of the equation. And I think that I reinforce it more now because I see how challenging it was for me growing up when I was younger. It's like a constant reminder. You know, it wasn't just like I came from, you know, having my life sorted out from the start. I came from it having completely dysfunctional. And so I have a, a deeper sense of appreciation for the mindset stuff. And it's why I, I, I preach it so much because that really overarches everything else. And when you talk about being a coach now, how does that, I, I guess you're helping people through their own anxiety and you're helping through the mental issues that they have because you've had it. Um, how do yeah. you grow as a person because of what you do now with you know your wife? Uh, another great question, man. And I actually think, that as a teacher, and I'm sure that you can relate to this, the more you teach a principle, the more you reinforce it back into yourself. And so Absolutely. it's like a win-win. Like so I'm sharing information. I'm telling people how they should do something. I'm saying, hey, these are these options to consider. Let's try these things. As I'm teaching them that, it's like constantly reinforcing the lessons back into myself. And I actually find that I've been able to improve my own resiliency, my own tenacity, my own consistency and, and discipline by constantly teaching these principles. And so what I say to other people is I'm like, you want to know a really good way to make these things stick in your life? Teach them to your family members. Teach them to the people you care about. Teach them to your friends. Anyone who's going to listen and, and, and wants to entertain what you have to say, teach it to them because you will reinforce those things back into yourself to the point where they stick more for you. And so I definitely have found that for me, teaching these principles around mindset, teaching them around food and peak performance, it's definitely enhanced my own results. I often wonder, would I have got the same result in my life in general, if I wasn't teaching these things on a daily basis. And I, and I would honestly think I probably wouldn't have. I think I would have still got something, but not to the extent. And so for anyone who is trying to make habits stick, start teaching them. And the caveat here is that you do not have to be an 
expert to start sharing where you are at in your own journey as a teaching point. And so a lot of people will say, well, I'm not an expert. Just start where you are. Start teaching what you know and from a place of that you don't have all the answers and that you know you're not an expert, but this is what you're doing right now and this is why you're doing it. And so give yourself permission to, to just begin. Um, that's what I do. I don't even really consider myself an expert per se, more of just like an avid learner, someone who's constantly learning from different people and taking ideas from different people and kind of hybridizing everything together rather than an expert in any one field. Um, and I like that. You know, I enjoy that process. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we have people like you that teach the whole thing because yeah. we need people like you in the fitness industry and the vegan industry. Uh, what would you, what advice would you give someone if they're just curious to know about maybe adding a little bit of plant-based living and, and nutrition into their life? Good question. So, good question. So what I would say to them is always just focus on addition rather than elimination. Because what happens with a lot of people is they come in, they look at their diet. It's either a standard American diet full of processed junk food or it's got tons of meat in it and eggs and different things. And they're like, my goodness, if I remove everything, there'll be nothing left on my plate. Everything is animal-based. I, I will literally be nothing. All the enjoyment in my life will be gone. My thing is don't adopt it from that perspective from the start because you're going to come from a place of lack, from not enough, and it's going to give you this negative connotation with what you're doing. Straight away, you need to change that entire perspective. And you need to come from a place of addition. So add in new foods, try new foods and new recipes, and crowd out the old foods. So rather than just like removing something, like you go into your fridge and you just like get rid of everything that you've got and the fridge is empty, add new foods in to the point where it's crowding out all the old stuff. And so what I did over a four-week period was I would replace my my fish with, you know, tofu or tempeh. And then I would replace my chicken with maybe a plant-based meat alternative at first, just to get something that was familiar to me. A lot of people can do that. That's fine. Or I would replace it with, I would make like these chickpea burgers and I would cut them up and I would kind of put them on top of my meals, like these chunks. And so... Those things are crowding out the other foods off the plate. And so whether you crowd it off with getting non-dairy alternatives to try, so try some of the non-dairy cheeses, try some of the non-dairy yogurts and, and milks and different things. Try some of the plant-based meat alternatives. Start looking at some recipes. Another thing is to veganize recipes you do like. So if you like macaroni and cheese, search on Google vegan macaroni and cheese recipe or healthy vegan macaroni and cheese recipe. And you can crowd out those old foods by adding in things. And I feel like one, it gives you a more positive experience because you're not just focusing on elimination. And the other thing is that it allows you to experiment and you don't feel like there's these big voids in your life that you have to fill. And so I remember it was funny. In the fourth week, the only thing that I had to remove was uh, some eggs after my workout. 
and I just replaced it with a tofu scramble, and that was it. And everything had been crowded out and, and had been phased out. And there's different ways to do it. Some people just do it, bam, all in one go, and they'll just add a whole bunch of stuff in. But what I'm saying here is always approach it from a place of addition rather than just elimination and veganize re recipes you like and find plant-based alternatives for things that you enjoy to have as like a, a treat meal every now and then to keep you on course. So that's really fundamentally how I would say someone start the process. And I would also say to do it from a perspective of just not giving up if you have some type of like slip up or mistake or relapse. That's a big thing where someone has a bad week at work or something goes wrong and they just let everything go. Rather than thinking of that all or nothing kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater mentality, just get back up and reintegrate and start adding back in what you can where you're at without, without so much judgment on yourself and bring the expectation down to what you can do today rather than oh, I should be perfect now, I should have it all figured out now. What can you just do today? Like, what can you add in for this next meal? After you listen to this, what can you go and prepare that's going to get you on track? And that's it. And it's like that first, that first footstep to, to conquer the mountain. I love that. Get away from the scarcity yeah. mindset and stay present in today. Yes. Um, I want to ask you maybe a more difficult question when it comes to the mental side. What would you tell someone who is maybe where that young Fraser was, where you had mental issues, you had anxiety, and you didn't believe in yourself. What would you tell that person mentally to try to make that first step to get out of all that mental rut to changing their life? Really good question. So I would definitely say I think the first thing is that you need to start surrounding yourself with positive messages and you can't not everyone has the luxury of being able to necessarily do that physically straight away like if you're in an environment where you have a family who's not interested in health and they have their own problems or if you're in a workplace that's not healthy it's hard to just change that environment sometimes but what you can do is you can cultivate an online community at least to start with where you start seeding your mind with more positive stuff. And what I mean by this is what I wish I knew early on was that I watched more interviews and videos from people who had had breakthroughs in their life and they're sharing their story. They're sharing their inspiration. They're sharing their knowledge and their strategies and their life lessons and their experience. So I can take that and I can use it to help me figure out my own life. Instead, I was watching like violent action movies and playing video games and watching Netflix. Well, even before Netflix, I was just watching like stuff that was not contributing to my mind being clearer. Because I feel like once you can seed your mind with more positive messages, it kind of then starts to pave the way for you to believe in yourself that you can change anything. And you can do that pretty, like, unproactively. Like, you can just, like, lay on the couch and put something on your phone. You don't have to, like, get up and do stuff. So if you're feeling really drained and you're, like, really down and out to the point where you don't even want to work out and you don't want to eat well, 
click that button and find entrepreneurs and people who are sharing content online who are trying to help give you tools that they've found have been help them get out of the rut. And so back if back to that old person, I would have said, look, you need to get rid of like video games and just violent movies and violent content and stop watching the news all the time and start seeding your mind with content that makes you feel happy and empowered and gives you tools and resources to get yourself out of the hole. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is you're going to have to start crowding out and adding foods into your diet that you don't necessarily like right now, but they're going to give you long-term benefit. So start adding in more vegetables, more whole foods. Hey, if you still want to do some of the processed junk and stuff, do that, but start adding more good stuff in as a primary focus to break that rut. The next things I would say is you need to get outside every day in some capacity and get some sunlight and fresh air and movement. Even if you're so lethargic and worn out that you don't want to train, walk for five minutes around your backyard in the sun with your shirt off. Just doing that often, I think for me, would have been enough to like break a lot of the, the, the negative feedback loops that I had kind of swirling around. And then ultimately, man, I think at that point, someone hopefully has enough awareness to get a coach or get a therapist or to get help where they can have someone work with them and guide them out of the, 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 the mire, so to speak. Um, sometimes people aren't there yet. You know, and they don't know that they need a coach until they get that awareness that they have all these problems. And so sometimes if you can get them some early wins by these things I suggested, it gives them enough belief that they're able to go out and get that help and then that tends to be the catalyst for for change. And obviously, your environment, like if you can get in an environment with happy, positive people that are living the type of lifestyle that you want, um, whether it's at a gym and you're, and you're working out in a, in a group class or it's, you know, whatever it is for you. Like there's so many different places you can connect with people now. There's like vegan meetups. You know, there's like... Um, there's uh, veg fest and stuff. I don't know how much they have them this past year that happened with COVID, but I would like to think that at a certain point they reintroduce things like that. And so people can go to those and connect with other people that are kind of like them. And dude, that, that is like food for the soul. You know, like you can eat, I, I, I did a post the other day where I said, you can eat all the kale you want and do all the yoga. But if you don't, if you don't fix the stuff that's in your head and in your heart, like not, that's not going to make you healthy. And so that human connection, I think, is a huge part that's missing for people. And so human connection is like nourishment. And so I think that people need to consciously try to add that into their routine as well. I, I isolated myself a lot early on. I was like a bit of a hermit. And I think that really hindered my progress. And so knowing that now, I would have try to connect with people more to kind of help fuel my soul, so to speak. And it's the opposite thing you want to do when you're in a low place. You want to be alone. Yeah. You want to connect with people. Um, yeah. I think we've proven today that you're not just a nutrition coach. You're a lifestyle coach. Um, tell us where we can find you and how we can connect with you online. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you go to uh, Veg Up Life on Instagram, 
Um, that's our handle or uh, Fraser Bailey, F-R-A-S-E-R-B-A-Y-L-E-Y. That's my little personal profile. I just post kind of like, you know, random family stuff on there, but you can kind of get a snippet of that. Um, and then vegguplife.com, that's our website. And then on Facebook, if you search VegUp, that is uh, our uh, profile on Facebook as well. And then on YouTube, we're also VegUp. So you can connect there. And the thing that I'm enjoying the most right now is the podcast. So if you go to and search VegUp podcast um, on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, Stitcher, you'll be able to find VegUp podcast. It's got a green background. I'm enjoying that because I'm really just pumping out like all the FAQs that people send me. And I'm like, man, this is a topic in and of itself. So that definitely is a loaded uh, podcast full of good information there. So that's really where you can find me. Um, well, I can say personally that I find so much value from you, uh, whether it's the podcast or online. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with me talking about mental health and physical health as well. So once again, thank you for taking the time, Fraser. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. Quissy, I appreciate that you too, brother. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I hope that your listeners get a bunch of uh, good content out of this. All right, bye. See you later, buddy. Have a good day.